That's fun stuff. I don't know why they give me the crazy one, but I get that one. So hey, let's do what we always do. I'm glad to be here. How about you? Make some noise. Fired up. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Tony, and I'm going to make you keep those clappers going. We have a bunch of people who watch online every single week. Hey, we are fired up that you're with us, too. Dave, I know you're watching. I love you, buddy. And uh, hey, thanks so much for being here. We are, uh, like, Sam, or like Ben said, we're in the fifth week of a series that we're calling Brave. And I love it. But uh, before I dive into that, I want to just make sure that you heard uh, Ben right. We kick off a brand new series called Fixer Upper. And next week, you'll even see some home remodel that I didn't do at my house because let's be honest, I got pretty hands, you know, and that I had somebody, a friend of mine, help me come over and do. And so I'll show you, Fixer Upper. I mean, we're in the midst of this. You buy a house, then baby, you know, you got to do some projects. And the truth is, I, I think here the, here's the parallel that I'm excited for us all to have, okay? is there some stuff inside of all of us that uh, could use some fixing up? And, and so here's what we're going to do. For four weeks, all month of September, we're going to knock this one. And uh, we're going to look at a guy named Nehemiah in the Old Testament and see what God did in his life. He saw something that was broken and he responded. And that's what we're all called to do. We're going to ride the cuffs of this, this brave series and we're going to go, hey, what's it look like for us to tackle some things in our lives that might not be in the spot that we need them to be? So I'm kind of pumped about that. Great, great, great series for you to bring somebody on your arm next week. Kind of fired up about that. But uh, uh, here's kind of the fun thing. I want to make sure you know about uh, baptisms. And I'm going to hit this at the end again too. Uh, ben mentioned this, that if if you've been coming for a while now and you've taken a step of faith that this is your time, this is your meeting, you're not alone, there's going to be a bunch of people who are going to be getting baptized with you and we're just fired up about that. And the last thing that I want to hit before I dive in is yesterday we got a chance to host our very first conference. It was called the Rise Conference and it was ridiculous. I mean, it was absolutely incredible. And by chance, if you weren't able to be here, um, I want to let you know that you know Monday or Tuesday, we're going to have it all online and I would just encourage you because um, it was, I think it was that good. Session one, session two, session three was iffy, but like the one and two where the other guy spoke, I mean, this stuff was top notch. And I think, I think this would be well worth your time to dial in. It'll look great. And so enjoy, grab some popcorn and watch the Rise Conference online. I think it'll help us all move in the direction that we want to go for the fall. But, but you're right. Here's, here's where we're at. We're in the fifth week. We're landing the airplane of this series called Brave. And I've been having an absolute blast doing it. And here's kind of what we've been saying. We've been saying that life demands that we have to be brave, doesn't it? It doesn't have time for the week. It squashes the week. My favorite, my favorite movie of all time is the Rocky movies. And, uh, you know, Rocky literally says it this way, that, that the world will beat you to your knees and keep you there if you let it. And so we have to respond differently. We have to find our brave in something. And so the question that we've been dialing in this whole series is literally this, where do you find your brave? Where do you find yours? I mean, when, when stuff is really hitting you, where do you lean? Where does, where does your brave come out? Or uh, maybe some of us in the room, maybe you find your brave in your money. And you go, man, when things are tough, I find my brave and my money and my financial, you know, status. This is where I find my brave. Others of you, you find your brave maybe in your health and your ability, your strength. And, and I know others that even find their brave in their family, their friends. And, and, and kind of here's the hard part about all those. And I get it because I lean my brave in those things as well as those things are temporary. They come and they go. And we all know that. That those things sometimes let us down. And so our brave, if we want it to be consistent and we want it to actually take us where we need to go, we got to find our brave in something else. And it's our hope this whole series long that we've been moving 
each and every one of us to start taking steps of faith to putting our brave in a person named Jesus. Because he's the only one who's consistent. He's the only one that lasts, that goes. And, and here's what I love about you know, placing your brave in Jesus is that we were created to be with him, to find our brave in him. And when we are with Jesus, our brave increases and the fear and the anxiety and all those things kind of decrease. Listen to literally how God created us in 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, God has not given us. He didn't create you. Maybe this is a word for somebody today. That God didn't give you a spirit of fear and timidity. If that's you in the room, I love that you're here, but I don't want you to get confused going, well, God just made me this way. God, I'm just kind of, I walk around scared, and I know I'm timid, and I'm anxious all the time, and I just go, that wasn't the initial design. There's some stuff called sin in our life and some junk, and we all have circumstances that beat the brave out of us. But what I love about God is he didn't create you that way. He loves you far too much to let you stay that way. And so he goes on to say that God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. That's not the best you or the best me. There's better in store, but this is what he did put inside of us that I want to kind of help us kind of get back out and pull back out and, and move out. What a power, love, and self-discipline. God created us to be brave. And he created us to find our brave in Jesus. And friends, when we do that, I think we see our best selves come out. I was reminded of this when I seen it in my daughter, Kara. I have four daughters. Kara's our second born. She's four years old. Just an absolute rush to be around. If you meet her, you don't forget her. I mean, she is just awesome. And she's either timid and shy around you or she will want to punch you for some reason. I don't understand why, but she's just awesome, enormous personality when she breaks free. And usually she's just a little, like I said, she's a little bit more shy until she kind of comes out. Well, we had decided to take kind of a day trip to the Quad Cities. And so we drove over to the Quad Cities. We were going to go to a Quad Cities River Bandits baseball game. We thought we made the big leagues, you know, like this is going to be a big deal. Our family was going to meet up with Carrie's folks. They live in the Quad Cities and, and her brother and her family, and this is going to be a blast, and so we bought cheap seats in the berm, and if you're like, what's the berm? The berm is like the grassy area that nobody wants to sit in because you can't see the ball. It's horrible, and so that's where we found ourselves, perfect for kids. There was, you know, six kids running around with our families combined, and so we found ourselves in the berm. Here's actually a picture of us at the ballpark, beautiful ballpark in the Quad Cities over, you know, you know the Mississippi's right behind it, loved it. And we're back here in the berm. Literally, you can see a sliver of this thing. And at one point in the game, I have Micah, my oldest daughter, on my shoulders. We're at the fence. And an enormous hit to left field comes our way. And I'm like, we're going to die. I should not be out here. And the, this guy, literally right here, comes up, makes a save, you know, the catch to save the out. And we are later on the local news that night. Like, Reporter says, the moron dad with the kid out in the berm, you know, get your kid off your shoulders. It's awesome. But here's what I loved about the park was we were going to go, we were going to have a hot dog, we were going to hang out, and it was going to be a great night. What I didn't know that the park had, though, was like a miniature amusement park in it. If you go into the Quad City, you know, River Bandits baseball stadium, you walk past, no joke, like a miniature, uh, whatever the thing rides that they have at Adventureland. What are those called? 
Roller coasters, miniature roller coasters. They have one of those. They have another silly silo. They actually have like a silly silo, crazy thing in there. Then they have a double-decker uh, uh, carousel ride. These are all hard things for me to say. And then on top of that, they have this giant Ferris wheel. And I'm telling you what, this marked the girls' attention far more than the baseball game did. And so, you know, we're trying to watch the game. They're begging us to go spend serious dough at all these type of uh, things. So we decide, fine, fork up the two bucks ahead. We'll go do the carousel, which I agree. It was really cool. Double-decker, awesome. And so we watched the game. We went around the carousel a few rides. And I expected that the girls, no kidding, would say, oh, yeah, the Ferris wheel looks cool. But there's no way we're going up there. And I expected especially expected that Kara, my, the second board, would be like, not a chance, Dad, you know, no way you're getting me up there. But Kara was interested. And the mere fact that she was interested made me decide I'll spend the 25 bucks to do the Ferris wheel. I mean, it just about made me broke doing it. And so we grab our kids, we go uh, and get onto this Ferris wheel, and I'm thinking, like, this is not going to be hard. They give us a little bit of instructions. They say, hey, don't, you know, keep your arms and your bodies inside of the deal like is normal. And, uh, and so we start shifting, and if you've been on a Ferris wheel, you know this. You get on, you pay the money, and it takes a while for you to get into full swing. You know what I'm talking about? And what they do is they, and then you wet, you know, like this, and then the next person gets on, it's, and you do it again, and it's all the way up, and it's this moment when my girls, you could start to see them kind of like go, oh my goodness, all right, are we going to be all right? And I'm wondering, I'm not an engineer, but it, did they screw them on right? Did I kill my family? And, and here's what's happened. We see Kara have a breakout moment, and we're at the top of this sucker. Here's literally a picture of us looking over the stadium. We are up there, man, and the guy presses go on the Ferris wheel, and we start soaring around this thing, and one lap in, Kara hops up onto her seat and looks over the side, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I grab her. I'm like, what are you doing? She goes, Dad, I want to see. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't want you to see the ground, you know, like you're going to die. And she goes, I feel like I'm flying. And I loved it. And we went around and around. I had a hard time keeping her in the boat. Micah's in there like in the fetal position. Like, I don't want to die. Kara's on the edge like, you know, the Titanic. Like, I'm in the moment, man. And you want to know what I wonder? I wonder for a few short moments. If Kara felt like for the first time in her life, she was flying. And I wonder for a few short moments if Kara felt like she could see the world. And she wanted to take advantage of it. And it reminds me of that verse that I shared just a few minutes ago. God didn't create us to be brave. You miss out on flying. You miss out on seeing and as I've been praying for this morning, for the last five weeks, my hope has been for you that if you come in here and you've been missing out on flying, seeing God do great things in your life, seeing, if you've been missing out on seeing the beauty around you because your brave has been beat out of you, my prayer for you today is that you would find yourself Finding your brave be renewed so that you could see and you could fly again. That you could start to experience what God had for each and every one of us. Now, here's where we've been. We've been working our way through a chunk of scripture. I introduced you week one. 
uh, this guy named Paul and, and his buddy Silas, and, and they found themselves in a tough spot. They had They'd been thrown into prison, and the natural question is, why were they thrown into prison? Were they, were they, you know, murderers? Did they kill somebody? No. Did they steal something? No. Did they rob somebody? No. They didn't do any of that stuff. Then why in the world were they thrown into prison? The truth is, they were thrown into prison because they had set a slave girl free who had been mistreated. And the master of this slave girl got so offended that he might lose some of his income off of her that he falsely accused them, has them beaten up and thrown into prison. And we see God show up in their prison cell. And last night, I wasn't even planning on saying this. Last night as I'm, again, reviewing some of the notes, I just, I wondered how many of you come in here and you feel like you are in the middle of a prison cell because of where life has put you. You feel like you're chained up, you're locked in, and you haven't flied, you haven't been able to see in years because of the weight that's on you right now. And quite possibly, like Paul and Silas would have, when they got thrown in there, beaten up, you know, just you know, worked over, they get thrown in, locked up. I, I wonder if there was a moment for them that they thought, seriously? We've been doing everything we can to, to do the right thing, God, and this is where we land ourselves. And, and I just had a moment last night where I was remembering the story that I was going to get ready to share with you today. And you see the story of God showing up in the middle of their prison cell and doing something incredible that I don't think they would have got to see if they didn't go through the hard moments of the cell. And I wonder if that's hope for some of you. That Paul and Silas, they, they prayed and they sang and they got to see God break open chains. They got to see God break open doors and release them from the very thing that was holding them captive. But if they weren't in there, they wouldn't have had the story that they have now. They wouldn't have the story of God being the chain breaker, the door burster, and they have it now. And maybe some of you, this is going to be your moment. Where the very place that you're in right now, you get to, from this point on, see that God met you in the very cell that you feel like you're in. And he started to do work in you to increase your brave. Now here's what happens the, in the story. It literally goes that, that Paul and Silas, they pray and God does show up. The doors actually burst open. The chains actually free from their ankles. And they have an opportunity to leave, to be released from this prison. And here's what the story says, that this jailer thinks about killing himself. The very guy who was responsible for keeping them in now will be in trouble because all the prison cells are broken free. And so he draws his sword and goes, I'm toast. I might as well end my own life. And God had been working in Paul and Silas's heart so much that they scream out to the very guy who locked them in. And they say, stop, don't do it. Don't kill yourself. We're all here. We haven't left, so just relax. And this moves the jailer so much that he replies like this in Acts 16. He says, the jailer called for the lights. He says, hey, turn on the lights. I got So this is crazy. And he ran into the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Hey guys, hey Paul and Silas, hey sirs, what must I do to be saved? Such a huge moment for this jailer. 
You want to know what I think he sees? I think he sees something in Paul and Silas that he doesn't have in himself. I think he's wondering to himself, I just beat those guys up and now they are staying here when they have an opportunity to leave. God must have done something in them and I want what they have. And so he just asks. He's like, I'm just going to throw it on. Can I experience this? Can I have what you have, Paul and Silas? And maybe you're in the same boat that the jailer is right now. I'm showing up to church. Could I maybe have what, what you say is out there, this love and this grace and this hope that's available? Is it, is it for me too? And, and then I kind of put myself in the jailer's shoes again. I wonder the minute that he said this, what must I do to be saved? If there was a voice in the back of his head that kind of crept out and started talking to him going, no, you can't. You're not good enough. Hey, hey, jailer, do you want to do a little road trip of your past? Let me tell you all the bad things that you've done. Do you think God would love you? Do you think God would do something big in your life? And that voice, I can just imagine it talking to this jailer going, you're not good enough. Man, there's no way God would have something good in store for you or you because your past is too ugly, it's too great. And then as he's shaking this off, going, no, no, I think I would. That voice goes, well, what about your habits? Oh, yeah, those ones that no one else knows about. Those habits that you've held on to since junior high, college, since your first marriage. Yeah, those habits that nobody else knows, but you do, and I do, and you can't be saved. Look at your life. You ever been there? Where you feel like you're asking the biggest question in the whole world. God, do you love me? And the very thing that competes for you accepting his love and his grace is you. It's, it's your own mind. It's your own past. It's your own habits. It's your own things that you've wrestled with for so long and you almost talk yourself out of going, I can't accept this. God couldn't love me. And then maybe you hear somebody at City Point, you hear this voice in your head, but it doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, or what's been done to you. In God's eyes, he loves you, created you, has a purpose for you, wants to see you be the best version of you. So the jailer basically asked this question. I'll put it up here. How can I be made right with God? That's what he asks. How can I be made right with God? Is this even possible for me? Is it even doable for my life? Can I be made right with God? And maybe you're asking the same question. Do you want to know how Paul and Silas responded? At this pivotal moment in the jailer's life, how can I be made right with God? Maybe you come in and you ask the same question. I'm trying to find my brave in Jesus, but how do I find in him? Would he even love me? And listen to what they say. How can I be made right with God? The next verse says this. Paul and Silas say, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Believe. Put your faith and your hope and your trust. Believe in Jesus and you'll be saved along with everyone in your household. And then Paul and Silas, they shared the word. They shared this good news about what Jesus had in store for them. That's what it says. They, they shared the word of the Lord with them and all who lived in his household. They said, we gotta, 
We've got to make sure everybody knows about this. And what Paul and Silas said in those moments is what I want to remind you of for our time today. What they said is believe. What we say around here, and you'll see it on your, on your connector card, is take a step. Take a step of faith over the faith line. And, and, and so Paul and Silas, I can almost imagine them sitting down in, in this dungeon cell going, hey, hey, you want to know how you can be saved? You want to know how you can, you can be made right with God? Then, then take this step. Move from your life being all about you and all about, you know, doing it for, for your own benefit and your own kind of building yourself up to saying, hey, I can't do it on my own anymore. I got to take a step of faith. And for those of you who maybe this is new and you're going, well, flesh this out a little bit more. Here's a verse in Romans chapter 3 that just kind of reminds us what this means. This step of faith is all about. It says, everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. That's what we say on this side of the line. What does this really look like for me over here? Well, over here, when we're on this side of what God has for us, we're all sinners. We all have junk. And nobody really ever disagrees about this. We all go, man, yeah, think about my habits. Think about my past. Yup, count me in this ballpark. I'm there. I have junk. And we all fall short. God's standard, of God's best for our lives. And so on this side of the line, we're at a spot of hopelessness. Because us working harder doesn't earn God's love. Us trying to do the right things doesn't earn God's love. Listen to this. Us even showing up to church, singing songs, giving money, or serving in a kid's room does not earn God's love. We're all sinners. We're all broken. And in that spot, we are hopeless without God moving on our behalf. And the good news is that verse follows with some of the best words ever written in Scripture. It says this, Yet God, with undeserved kindness, we couldn't do anything on our own, there's not enough good in us to, to move this forward. We were below the standard that needed to be met for us to be made right with God. And so God moves on our behalf and it says, Yet God, with undeserved kindness, while we were still sinners, he declares that we are righteous, which is big word, for we are made right. We, he declares that we are made right. And he did this through Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. This was God moving on our behalf. And verse 25 kind of caps this thing out. I love this. It says, For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for our sin. And people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life for us. So this faith, faith line is literally moving from us saying, Hey, I can't do it on my own. This understanding that that on my own, I'm not good enough. There's a standard and I can't meet it. I've broken kind of the require. I'm sinned. God can't have sin with him. And so he needed to move on our behalf. And he did it by sending Jesus to forgive us, to be the sacrifice for. He sent Jesus on a redemption mission to increase our brave, 
So that if we placed it in him, if we took a step of faith, moving from our brave being in ourselves to our brave being in Jesus, taking a step of faith, trusting in Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, then we could be saved. So Paul and Silas, they say, believe. And that's what it looks like to believe. To place your faith in Jesus as the one who can save you from the sin in your life. You want to know what happens? My favorite verse in all the Bible, quite honestly, is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. What happens when you make the step? This is the great news. This would have fired up the jailer. He would have been like, are you serious? Anyone who belongs... Anyone who takes a step over the faith line, anyone who belongs to Jesus has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. I wore bright orange shoes to really show this step stuff. So we could step and you go, yep, I see him stepping. So when I step over the faith line, the old has gone and the new has come. There's a new me, there's the right me, the the brave me that God wants to move forward in our lives, and I can't wait to see what happens to this jailer. I mean, he's just taking a step over the faith line, and I wonder if in that moment he goes, what do I, so I I hear this, there's a new me? Well, what in the world is it? And maybe you're here, you're going, I get it, I've heard you talk about the faith line for months now. But can you tell me, who am I when I am made new? I mean, who am I? Paint for me the picture of what it looks like if I were to step over the faith line. Could you tell me what it looks like when I place my brave no longer in my money, no longer in my health, or the security of friends and family? I place my brave in Jesus What is the new me that you're talking about? Well, I'm glad you all asked. Way to go. Because those are the three statements that I want to give you in your note page. Three statements that happen that that show you who are you when the old is gone and the new has come. And so if you're taking notes, you can just jot this first one down. I am forgiven from my past. That's what it looks like to be made new in Jesus. I'm forgiven from my past. And for those of you who are going, how do you know? Where do you get this from? Well, Ephesians chapter 1 says says it this way. In Christ, we have the forgiveness of our sins. This is something that's available for us. Our past is gone. What about my past, Tony? Yes, yours. Yes, yours. Your past is forgiven. Forgiven. What about my old habits and my old addictions? Those ugly things that I don't like to talk about. Yeah, those past things. Forgiven. Listen to what it says in Psalms. It paints this beautiful picture. Psalm 103, it says, He forgives all my sins, and he has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who, who fear him, which means put him in first place. He forgives all of my sins. So what's it look like to be made new, to step over the faith line? What it really is on this one is to be forgiven of your past, and that's great news. Because God knows that I have one. A pretty ugly one. And you're all very kind 
to be a part of a church and to trust and lean into a, to a guy who's doing his best to just go with God despite the ugly stuff that I've done in my past. And what I'm banking on is that as a church like ours, where we can come in here and be authentic and go, yeah, we might all have one, but what God is doing in us is going to move us forward. And we're going to place our brave in the hope that Jesus has better for us than what we've experienced in the past. And that's what it looks like to have the old gone and the new come. The second thing you write down is this. What happens to me when I accept Jesus and, and the, the, the new has come and the old's gone? Well, for us, it's I am healed from my hurts. And I know some of you are in the room and you're going, wait a second. Those hurts, you mean I can be healed from the, from the bad stuff in my past that I didn't even want to participate in? You mean I can be healed from the stuff that, that somebody else did to me? And I just tell you, the truth is, with Christ, you have a healer. He's a healer. And oftentimes, it doesn't always look like he lets you forget it. I mean, I haven't been able to forget some of the most painful moments in my past, but God has used them. And when he uses them to accomplish his purposes, it sure makes my pain of my past look a little bit smaller when I see him accomplishing great things in my future. I want to know if some of you could let your pain drive you to your healer, not to other things. The hurts drive you to your healer because what if? What if God could use your prison cell? What if God could use your misery? What if God could use your pain and your hurt to make an impact in your life and the others around you? That might just look like healing to you. He can do that. This is what he's capable of doing. Listen to what it says in Psalm 147 about who God is. It says he heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. This is what God has in store for us when we step over the faith line that we can experience the healer. So would you let your hurts drive you to him, not drive you away? That's placing your brave in the right spot. The third thing you can jot down is this, we are freed from my habits. I am freed from my habits. I'm freed from the habits of my past. And, and the only time that I get squeamish up here is talking about this one because for me in my own life, I know what it looks like to, to have the power to not sin anymore. But what happens for a lot of us when we take this initial step over the faith line, there are some ugly things that keep coming with us. You know what I'm talking about? I don't think I'm the only one alone on this one where, where we step, but we haven't quite unhitched everything yet. And there's a process to this that, that we know that when we have stepped over the faith line, that we have now a power that we don't have to choose sin anymore, but habits often stick around and they're ugly, gnarly, and they just, man, they fight for us. Here's what I wanted to tell you. I wanted to let you know that God when he freed you from your habits and your sin and your past and your hurts, he didn't do so as a, as a God in heaven going, oh, I did this for you, you better suck it up now and have it all figured out. He frees us and he heals us and he forgives us, knowing good and well 
that it's going to take some time. That we're going to need God to do some things in our lives over the course of weeks, months, years, decades. To have us move to a spot where we are trusting him and going with God and what we do. And so friends, I want to kind of wrap this thing up right now and ask you, if you know what it's like to be that jailer, if you know what it's like to be in a spot in life where you wonder, hey God, could you use me? Hey God, what does it look like for me to be made right with you? And if you're in that spot, I just wonder today if you'd be willing to take a step. If you'd be willing to find yourself at a spot where you say, over here on my own, I can't have this be my life direction any longer. I have to go with who God is and trust him. And if that's you, I want to ask you to pray with me. I want to ask you to take a step of faith even in these next few moments. And I want to ask that God would do something, increase our brave, and show up in a mighty way. So would you pray with me? God, here we are. A group of us who've all heard about how great and big you are. God, we know that on our own we're sinners, that we fall short. We've heard that, we've read that. God, we know that on our own, that we have our past that hangs us up. We have our hurts that bog us down, and we have our habits that we don't know how to get over. So God, I'm here vulnerable right now. And I wonder if there's others with me that maybe for the first time have realized that we have to take our past and our hurts and our habits somewhere. On our own, we can't do it. Our brave needs to be found in you. Friends, if that's you today, that step of faith happens when you give your life to Christ, when you make a commitment to him. It's when you pray and you do the best of your ability. Make God your Lord and your Savior. You go with him. And if that's you this morning, I just want to give you an opportunity to do that. You can pray to God. It doesn't have to be out loud. It's more about your heart than it is the words anyways. And so if you want to step over the faith line, to move your brave to Jesus, you can pray this prayer with me right now. Jesus, here I am. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've screwed it up and that left to my own desires, I fall short of what you want in my life. And then you pray, God, I'm, I'm ready though. I'm ready to, to place my brave in you, to put my faith and my hope in you, Jesus. God, I've read now that you stepped in while I was still blowing it, and you love me. 
And God, you have forgiveness for me. And you have forgiveness in store and freedom for my life. So God, I'm asking that you would be my Lord and my Savior. God, I want to give my life to you today. I want to be yours. I'm choosing to place my life in your hands. Pray this in your name. Amen. Friends, I'm telling you what, we're going to sing a song that's going to put an exclamation point on your decision. And during this song, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to find the brave in you to just mark it so that we can celebrate with you. There's a spot. Today I stepped over the faith line. If that's you, you mark it, and before you leave, you place it in one of the blue and white joy boxes so we can throw a party for you this week. Deal? I want to ask you to stand up. We're going to ask God to do something in these next few moments.